This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. If you own a business, large or small, my next guest can be an important part of how you deal with that business, whether it's brand new, maybe it's been in the family for generations. If it's something you're thinking about selling, Or maybe you want to buy a business. My next guest will help with that too. I'm Martin Strong and on Vancouver Consumer this afternoon, we'll be talking to the folks at Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions. That's coming up. But first, some of the consumer news headlines from the past week. Even though COVID-19 related travel regulations have lifted across the country, why is the Peace Arch Provincial Park, which straddles the Canada-U.S. border, still closed? The park operator says the closure on the Canadian side of the park is in place until further notice. They say BC Parks have given them no date or any info on when things will open up again. The Ministry of the Environment says reopening Peace Arch Park is a top priority, also saying that the open nature of the park has made it challenging to ensure visitors were meeting border entry requirements, which is why the park remained closed. Peace Arch Park, because of its location on the 49th parallel, became kind of a popular unofficial meeting place for Canadians and Americans in the early days of the pandemic who suddenly couldn't cross the border. It was a place where many people could reconnect with loved ones in person. There was a surge in visitors at times, and that led to a lot of concerns over large gatherings of unvaccinated people who were not self-isolating. A lot of people were very critical of that. And Vancouver will decide who will be the next mayor next Saturday. And Team for a Livable Vancouver mayoral candidate, Colleen Hardwick, announced on Wednesday that she wants to scrap plans for a SkyTrain-type train going from Arbutus to UBC. Instead, Hardwick said a light rail train to UBC and three other routes, totaling 58 kilometers, could be built right across the city for the same price as the extension that just goes to the university. Mayor Kennedy Stewart pointed out that this next phase of planning for the extension was already approved by the mayor's council. ABC Vancouver mayoral candidate Ken Sim chimed in. He says he supports the SkyTrain extension to UBC, saying that anytime riders have to change modes of transportation, like get on a bus and then get on a train, uh, ridership drops. Sim says the idea that Colleen Hardwick can get regional support for this new plan at the expense of the already approved TransLink 2050 plan is just, in his words, sparkle, ponies, and pixie dust. An organization called the Food Stash Foundation is hoping they can help people from going hungry in the Lower Mainland. Every Thursday, From 3 till 5 p.m., they host a rescued food market in a warehouse just off Main Street near Olympic Village and Mount Pleasant. Much like a zero-waste grocery store, Food Stash stocks the market with surplus perishables from farms and wholesalers and grocers that would have otherwise been thrown out. Overstocking, canceled orders, best before dates, and sometimes simply how the food looks all contributes to perfectly good food being thrown away. Whole Foods, Save on Foods, IGA, and Spud.ca are all food donors, and 80% of what is gathered by Food Stash every day is divvied up 
between other nonprofits, and then some of it goes to the rescued food market. And everybody is welcome to the market, regardless of your socioeconomic status. You don't need to prove that you're in need. Customers are limited to one tote bag per person, and after selecting what you want from the available stock, you can choose how much you want to donate. So you can give a little, give a lot. It's up to you. I'm Martin Strong, and this is Vancouver Consumer. Coming up, if you're buying or selling a business, you definitely want to talk to my next guest. When we come back, we'll talk to Andrew J. Brown, a business broker and advisor with Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions. That's next on Vancouver Consumer. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong. And if you own a business, small or large, my next guest could be indispensable, whether it's brand new, this business, or it's been in your family for generations. And uh, whether that business is starting to take off or it's something you're thinking about selling. With me now is Andrew J. Brown. Uh, Andrew is a business broker and merger acquisitions advisor with Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions Incorporated. You can find them online at pmab.com. That's P-M-A-B-B.com. They have offices in Vancouver, Victoria, and Kelowna with affiliated members worldwide. And he's with me now. Hi, Andrew. How are you? Doing great, Martin. How are you doing today? Very, very well. Uh, and it's I'm, I'm kind of enjoying this uh, late summer that we've got going on. Uh, and, and I wonder, is there a time of the year where people sell, tend to sell businesses or buy businesses, or is it just like, is it a, like a, a seasonal thing or is it, does it happen all year long? I I would say it, it happens all year long. Um, just like most businesses, we are, uh, a bit quiet in the summer uh, when people are away on vacation and then uh, certainly uh, in late December, things sometimes get quiet because of that. But outside of those two periods, it's it's pretty much a consistent year-round type of business. Right. So Andrew is a business broker and merger and acquisitions advisor working with businesses. So I think basically as we start this, let, let's sort of uh, define what it is you do. What service do you, you provide for, for people who own businesses? Yeah, great question, Martin. So we're um, a full service advisory when it comes to exit planning. Uh, what that means for us is uh, let's say you're a business owner who's uh, looking to sell their business or thinking about it. Uh, we sit down with that business owner and we take them through our um, five-stage uh, selling process. And the first stage would be uh, working with them to help them understand what the uh, most probable selling price of their business might be. Um, and often um, that's where the conversation ends. Uh, it's a situation where perhaps the business owner is just trying to get a sense as to what their business is worth. Um, but let's say uh, they are interested in proceeding with selling at that time, then we would proceed through the other stages in our selling process, which involves uh, helping them uh, prepare their internal due diligence uh, to get uh, answers that potential buyers might be looking for, and then start putting together marketing materials. And then ultimately, we take their business to market. And from there, we help 
uh, coordinate uh, getting offers from potential buyers and coordinating the due diligence from the buyer's perspective and then ultimately helping them with the close of the sale, which involves uh, uh, lawyers. Uh, so that's the process that we have in a nutshell. And, um, you know, from from our perspective, we never try to um, push or influence unduly a business owner as to whether or not they should sell or shouldn't sell. Uh, we just present the, the facts from an objective standpoint because uh, the decision to sell is a very personal one and there's a lot of factors that might go into that. Right. And I guess the, the obvious parallel, I don't know, maybe you could tell me if, if you agree with this or not, with Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions Incorporated and uh, being uh, a business broker and merger and acquisitions advisor, the obvious parallel is to a real estate agent and someone selling a piece of property. And I guess a lot of people uh, just sell their own business, like some people will sell their own property, but that's not always advisable to sell yourself. It sometimes really pays to have a professional in there uh, sort of organizing the sale. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're naturally biased for that because that's what we what we do uh, for a living. But that being said, there's a lot that goes into selling a business, and oftentimes a business owner might be a bit blind to that. And, uh, you know, they'll go into a process with a potential buyer not understanding all the ins and outs of selling a business. And that's where we can uh, come in and help manage that for them. Um, But in essence, what we can help do for a business owner is we can help uh, increase the value uh, that they would get for their business. And we can also potentially do it in a quicker time frame. And, uh, you know, not of the least importance, help take a lot of stress off of them in the process it can be a very an emotional process, and having someone manage that for you is quite helpful. Um, and it also enables them to continue running the business because uh, business owners are often working at least 40-plus hours a week already in their business, and it can be quite time-consuming uh, you know, uh, trying to sell your business. Right. And, and you avoid a lot of pitfalls, I'm guessing. Um, what are some of the big ones? I guess valuation uh, is often something that people might overvalue or undervalue their business. Um, like, let's talk about the pitfalls of trying to sell yourself as opposed to working with Pacific mergers and acquisitions. Yeah. Great question. The valuation would be a big one. Um, you know, nobody, uh, likes to think that they have an ugly baby. So there's a tendency <laughs> at times for people to, to overvalue their business. And conversely, um, you know, if a buyer is coming at them from an unsolicited standpoint, they might be uh, undervaluing it. And if you don't have an objective reference point, uh, you're often kind of blind at that point as to determining what the the value is of the business. Um, So from that perspective, having a third party uh, like Pacific uh, provide an objective opinion of value uh, is very helpful just to give you an idea as to uh, what it's worth. Um, to do evaluation, it's a very um, complicated process at times in that you are looking at a lum- number of different data points. Um, when we do it, we, we take a look at the last five years of financials, and then we perform actually a number of different valuations based on a number of different approaches. Right. And if you would like to learn more, uh, just go to pmab.com, P-M-A-B-B.com. It's the website for Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions Incorporated. You can also give them a call 
at 604-670-0352. And we're talking to Andrew J. Brown, a business broker and merger and acquisitions advisor with Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions Incorporated. And uh, so why don't you give us an idea of the kind of businesses you work with? Uh, I know it's both small and large, but what what is the range and what are some examples of the kind of businesses that Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions works with? Yeah, great question. So we uh, we work in primarily what we call the lower middle market, uh, and that's a range that really uh, varies depending on who you talk to. Um, from from our perspective, we uh, categorize it by a range of uh, enterprise value, and uh, that range can be anywhere from say two million up to fifty. Um, and uh, from a seller's perspective, uh, they might think of themselves as very small if they're doing $10 million in sales. Um, it really is just a relative thing. Uh, but from our perspective, that's the range that we like to work within um, and provide the most value. Anything bigger than 50, it, it typically would uh, be a better fit for some of the larger investment banks out there. And anything less than $2 million, it tends to be a bit too small, as we do have overhead here at our firm, that um, our fees aren't necessarily a good fit for a smaller business. Right. So a $2 million firm is, is on the low end. Give me an example of a, of a $2 million business. Oh, man, there, there can be just any number of types of businesses that do $2 million, uh, whether or not it's a... Uh, a grocery store uh, that sells uh, groceries uh, to folks or a manufacturing company that manufactures widgets uh, or even a technology company that uh, sells software. Um, There's a variety of companies that can be of that size, Um, particularly in BC. uh, We have a general mix of industries and we have a number of uh, small to medium-sized businesses that span a a variety of different uh, sectors. Right. We're talking to Andrew J. Brown, uh, business broker and merger and acquisitions advisor with Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions Incorporated. And when people sell, I mean, is there a, I guess, I guess I was going to say, is there a good time to sell a business? But actually, let me rephrase that question. Uh, the, it, the situ, it must change all the time, like the different sort of, uh, uh, outside influences on the economy and uh, everything that's going on in the world. Um, how does that affect when you should sell a business or, or how does it affect the sale of a business? Yeah, it really does depend on the particular business uh, that you're in. Um, there's obviously cycles that are uh, ongoing in the financial markets and recessions. And I think there's been a lot of talk about us uh, potentially heading into a recession uh, next year, although that's not fully confirmed yet. And uh, as a business owner, it's um, difficult to know like when's the right time. And uh, for each type of company, the answer can be different. I'd say one predominant um, factor that kind of uh, addresses all types of businesses as far as good timing is if, if the business is performing well and is on a upward trajectory as it relates to uh, uh, growth, uh, particularly in your profits, uh, that would be an ideal time to sell. Uh, if you can picture a graph and a hockey stick, um, you want to be on the positive side of the hockey stick as far as growth when you're considering selling. Because uh, what that's going to do is enable you to maximize the potential value that you can get for your business. Right. Yeah, because I guess uh, the future 
earnings are are important to the buyer and that's that's put into the price of the of the business absolutely so um, how it works and uh, a lot of people may know this some may not uh, but when you value a business, it's often done on a multiple type basis uh, where you're looking at what your profits are and the acronym that's commonly used is EBITDA. And uh, you apply that to a multiple and a multiple meaning a number. So depending on the business and um, the attractiveness of the market and the size of the business, that spans anywhere from, say, one up to you know, 50 to 100 uh, in, in technology sometimes. And uh, that number is typically applied against that EBITDA. Uh, so naturally speaking, if the EBITDA is larger, then you apply it against a multiple that can have a dramatic impact on the uh, value of your business. Right. And I guess during COVID, it was really hard to value a business because things were pretty much shut down. But at the same time, you have to look, you know, they're not going to be shut down forever. So I guess that's an example of when you need a professional to to do that kind of valuation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, COVID was obviously uh, an unprecedented event for for. Uh, pretty much all of us, uh, considering the last global pandemic was a uh, hundred years ago. Uh, so um, it was an anomaly. And uh, when it came to valuing a business, it was treated as such. Uh, you take into consideration what the impact was. Uh, but more importantly, you take into consideration what the future impact will be. Um, some businesses are changed uh, forever as a result to, to COVID in a, in a positive way. Uh, so um, whether you're selling personal protection equipment or perhaps you're in the technology business supporting uh, remote work, uh, it could have an um, indefinite positive impact. But a lot of companies in the retail and tourism sector, it was more of a temporary uh, blip where uh, there was virtually no earnings um, on, a, on a limited time basis. But now moving forward, things are uh, getting back to normal from their perspective. Right. Andrew J. Brown is our guest, a business broker and merger and acquisitions advisor with Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions Incorporated. You can find them online at pmabb.com, PMAB. Uh, You can also give them a call, 604-670-0352. And Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions has offices in Vancouver, Victoria, and Kelowna, with affiliated members worldwide. And when we come back, I want to talk to you about uh, people who own businesses now, and maybe they're not selling yet, but what can they do to uh, improve their valuation? Some, Some good advice that Andrew will have for people who own their own business. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong and on Vancouver Consumer this afternoon, our guest is our friend Andrew J. Brown, a business broker and merger and acquisitions advisor with Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions Incorporated. PMABB.com, PMAB.com. You can also phone them at 604-670-0352. They have offices in Vancouver, Victoria, and Kelowna with affiliated members worldwide. Now, Andrew, 
somebody who has a business now and they're busy growing their business and they're, they're probably not thinking about, you know, what's the value of this business, but they're starting to think, well, at some point I'm going to want to sell this business. And, uh, what advice do you have for those people, uh, on ways to, to be better prepared when the time comes to sell that business and also to, to help sort of increase the valuation of that business? What's your advice? Yeah, there's a number of things Martin uh, business owners can look to do uh, to get their business uh, ready for sale. Uh, when you touched on just now the uh, improve the value, um, as we as we discussed earlier, um, earnings are a big uh, focus area. And in particular, I would recommend business owners uh, look at improving their cash flows as much as possible. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, cash is king, and uh, what a lot of prospective buyers uh, look at are the cash flows. Uh, they often call it free cash flow. Um, that's something that is uh, tremendously important uh, for potential buyers looking at your business. Uh, beyond that, uh, risk is another big item. Um, potential buyers want to um, reduce their risk as much as possible when looking at a potential business to, to, to buy. And things that you can do as a business owner uh, to help mitigate that is to look at things such as customer concentration. Uh, if uh, a majority of your business is focused on one particular customer, a potential buyer may look at that as a, as a potential risk. Uh, if that particular customer walks out the door, then your business is going to be greatly impacted. So if you're able to spread that out as much as possible, that would be um, a good thing to do. Um, and that also goes for supplier dependency as well. Uh, if you're dependent on one particular supplier, that would be a risk that a potential buyer would look at. Um, key employees, if you don't have contracts in place with key employees, that would be risky. Uh, if there are any environmental or regulatory issues or legal challenges uh, with your business, that would also be a risk from a, a potential buyer's perspective. So looking at those things to reduce risk would be a, a good idea. Uh, looking at developing uh, key employees would be a smart thing to do. Um, you want to remove as much dependency uh, that the business has on you as an owner as much as possible. Uh, a buyer might be looking to um, come in and have uh, one of the existing employees step up into a management role. Uh, so developing them as much as possible would be smart. Uh, documenting everything that you do as far as processes and strategic plans would be helpful from a due diligence standpoint. And then um, finally, getting rid of any sort of non-business expenses from your income statement would be uh, helpful. Uh, when we do evaluation, we uh, normalize the uh, financials where we remove those things. Uh, that being said, having them in there doesn't necessarily reflect well. Uh, I know it's a um, very common tax strategy for many small me medium business owners to minimize as much profit as possible to reduce their taxes. But when you're looking to prepare their business to, to, to sell, you want to start removing those types of things from your business as ultimately it's not going to reflect particularly well on your business. So right. those are some things you can focus on. Go ahead. Non-business non expenses. So what are, exp explain what a non-business expense is. Sure. Um, uh, um, a common one that you, you might see is a trip to Tahiti uh, that has nothing to do with your business that's embedded into your uh, meals and entertainment category on your income statement. Um, or perhaps uh, a family
family cell phone plan uh, where your kids cell phones are on your um, income statement um, those are the types of things that you want to have removed from from your income statement to make sure that uh, it reflects well on the business Ah, uh, that makes sense. And you mentioned uh, having key employees in place, and I guess that's a concern that is uh, a little more uh, important nowadays with you know the the labor shortages that we're seeing and the the inability of some businesses to find key employees. I, I guess that's become a whole different concern for a lot of people. Yeah, that it, it's a major major issue. No matter what sector you're in, uh, whether it's the restaurant sector or technology, um, it's a uh, it's a big issue. Uh, having and retaining the right employees uh, is something that a lot of people are currently struggling with. And as it relates to um, selling your business, uh, having stability in that area would be tremendously helpful. Right. We're talking to Andrew J. Brown, business broker and merger and acquisitions advisor with Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions Incorporated. You can find them online, pmab.com, P-M-A-B-B.com, 604-670-0352. They have offices in Vancouver, Victoria, and Kelowna, affiliated members worldwide. And we talked earlier how there's it's kind of a, a little bit like uh, a real estate agent and someone selling their home, someone selling their business. They want to have a mergers and acquisition pro, an expert uh, in there. And I guess one of the reasons why you want a pro helping you sell your business is because you can find buyers, different buyers, buyers that maybe the, the business owner might not have any idea were out there, I'm guessing. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the uh, key value propositions that, that we have here at Pacific and, and many other uh, M&A firms would have is just the reach that we have with the uh, pool of buyers out there. Uh, we have over uh, 25,000 uh, contacts in our database uh, that span a variety of different types of buyers. And that's just not the sort of thing that every individual business owner is going to have access to. And really what that means is it's going to give you the ability to create a market for your business. And just like any market, the value and uh, terms are going to improve if you have a competitive market when selling your business. Right. And you know who's out there. And I guess sometimes it's a, it's an individual. Sometimes it's a, a big corporation. I guess it could be anybody. Yeah, it, it depends on the firm and the size and industry as who the buyer would be. But oftentimes, uh, when looking to sell a company, the potential buyers can be a, a mix. Um, and what I mean by that is, uh, if you're in a particular industry, a strategic buyer might be looking at your firm, and that would be someone already in your industry looking to acquire a company to um, improve their growth or innovation or whatever their reasons are. Um, and then there are also potentially investment buyers, we call them private equity groups, uh, that are looking to uh, add additional companies onto their existing portfolio. Um, or you could have uh, individual buyers, people that perhaps um, are in that sort of early baby boomer corporate retirees uh, category where they have some money, um, they're kind of retired from the corporate world, but not ready to hang it up yet. And they're looking for a business to buy. Uh, so it can really be a variety of different buyers. 
Right. And let's talk exit strategies. I'm guessing it's it's a little different with every business. When somebody sells a business, sometimes it's just like you get the check and you're gone. But other times it can be a sort of a slow evolution to the new owner. And how, how does that factor into to your work? Yeah, it's it. Um, the process is different um, depending on the, the size and type of company. But oftentimes we we take a, uh, a structured transaction approach to selling a business uh, where we um, look to uh, generate as many um, offers as possible for a business owner, and we structure it in a manner where. When we go to market, we, we set a date for uh, receiving expressions of interest. So different from an offer, it's just someone that's formally saying, hey, yeah, we're interested and we understand what the price expectation would be, uh, but we'd like to ask some questions. And then we present that to the business owner and they go, okay, uh, I'd be willing to talk to this group or that person, but not this group or that person. So we shortlist it, and then you go into that preliminary due diligence uh, phase with that list of potential buyers. And then from there, you would then set a date for looking at potential offers from that group. Uh, And then from there, uh, the seller would then get the benefit of looking at multiple offers that uh, would reflect different types of uh, terms and and potentially prices. Uh, And then they get to pick the one that's uh, best suited for them uh, and go from there. So that's an approach that we like to take uh, with uh, many of the businesses that we uh, try to sell. Mm-hmm. And that's the approach with the Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions Incorporated, PMAB.com, P-M-A-B-B.com. And what about the, that early stage? Somebody maybe just thinking about selling a business or maybe they definitely want to sell the business. What's the typical process for them and how should they get in contact with you? And maybe you set up a meeting. What, what are the first questions you have for people? Yeah, that uh, that can be done in a couple of different ways. You can pick up the phone and, and give us a call and uh, happy to have a confidential uh, telephone conversation with you. Or certainly if you want to send an email and uh, ask someone to call you at a specific uh, time and number, uh, we can do it that way. And then ultimately in that first discussion, we're looking to just get a better understanding of what uh, the business is and what the reasons the business owner may be looking uh, to uh, exit their business and just get a general understanding from from that perspective. Um, From our perspective, we are also looking at frankly, whether or not this is a business is a good fit for us. Um, oftentimes when we're working with a business, uh, we're um, taking a bit of risk ourselves by investing time uh, and effort on selling a business that ultimately we're not going to get compensated for unless it successfully sells. Uh, so it naturally um, would sit, uh suggest then that we're not going to take uh, any business on uh, depending on the situation. So we're, it's a bit of a two-way street from that perspective as well. So people can give you a call 604-670-0352. And if you don't have a great memory for numbers, go to pmab.com, P-M-A-B-B.com. And Andrew J. Brown is uh, the business broker there, a merger and acquisitions advisor. And uh, I guess you're pretty busy. We talked a little bit about the season changing, but I guess, uh, you know, nobody takes your calls in the summer. (laughs) So all of a sudden it becomes September and October, and I guess uh, things heat up. So I'm guessing you're a little bit busy right now. Yeah, in in a good way for sure. Uh, There's lots of activity, uh, people that have been away. 
Uh, perhaps they even uh, took a bit of time of September uh, just to get themselves organized. But now they're they're ready to come to the table and start talking about uh, potentially selling their business. So it certainly is a busy time of year for us. Well, thank you for talking to us, Andrew. It was great. Thanks, Martin. I appreciate your time. Andrew J. Brown, business broker and merger and acquisitions advisor with Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions Incorporated. Go to pmab.com, P-M-A-B-B.com. They've got offices in Vancouver, Victoria, and Kelowna with affiliated members worldwide. And coming up on Vancouver Consumer, it's a great time to be a cinephile, a movie lover. Not only is the Vancouver Film Festival on now until the end of the long weekend, there are also a lot of new choices when it comes to streaming movies in the comfort of your own home. And in some cases, it's free. I'm Martin Strong, and I've got the scoop on that when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong. The Vancouver International Film Festival is in full swing this weekend. It's on right now with screenings from morning until night at theaters all over town today, tomorrow, and Monday. Go to vif.org to see what's playing. There are movies from around the world, plus lots of North American movies and documentaries too. Some are small and some are big movies that are being shown, sometimes months ahead of when they'll hit the theaters. I went to a screening of The Whale with Brendan Fraser last weekend, a pretty powerful film that is not set to be released worldwide until December of this year. And if you're a stay-at-home movie streamer and you're getting sick of what they have to offer on Netflix and Amazon Prime, the Vancouver Film Festival has a really good deal for you there, too. VIF has partnered with Mubi, a curated streaming platform, and they're offering a free 60-day membership. The platform is kind of like your own film festival at home. It offers films from new to award-winning from around the world. Usually, the streaming service costs about $12.99 a month. And if you want to try it for free for two months, go to vif.org or to the movie website. That's M-U-B-I. And after you sign up for the free two months, you can always cancel before they start billing you for real. So there's uh, no problem there. Cineplex has a good deal going on this October for movie lovers. Movies are just $2.99 uh, on Saturdays at 11 o'clock across uh, the month of October. The next one is a week from today at 11 a.m. It's a kid's movie, Shrek 2, for just $2.99. And Shrek 2 might be an old movie, but $2.99 is a good deal. And I don't have to tell you how expensive it is these days to bring a bunch of kids to a movie at full price, it's like a, a major hit to your wallet. And $2.99 is a pretty good way to take your kids to a movie. Uh, so next Saturday at 11 o'clock, take them to see Shrek 2 for just $2.99. And speaking of movies, if you are anywhere near Vancouver's Chinatown over the last couple of days, you might have noticed that it looks like an earthquake has hit some of the alleyways there. It's actually the set for a TV show all about Godzilla. And the set can be seen just off Pender Street near the International Village Mall. Slabs of concrete and piles of bricks 
are all over the place, like they fell on cars, lots of uh, Godzilla destruction. And they make it all look like it's San Francisco. It's a new show for Apple TV that hasn't aired yet. The working title is Hourglass. And here's what Apple TV says about this new show. Quote, it's the thunderous battle between Godzilla and the Titans that leveled San Francisco and the shocking new reality that monsters are real. It stars Kurt Russell, and they also did a bunch of filming for it in Steveston over the summer. And it's called, uh, what's it called again? Hourglass. This is Martin Strong, and this is Vancouver Consumer. And we're here every Saturday afternoon, 2 to 4 p.m. I want to thank our producer, Leo Coelho, and we'll see you next week. Stick around. The news is next on CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.